My name's Red, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, and welcome back to Fanhole's Transformers Tuesdays, the show where we discuss Transformers all the time, every time. Uh, I'm Mike, I'll be your host this time. By the time you hear this, uh, IDW will be releasing a brand new Drift miniseries uh, titled Empire of Stone. This will be the second miniseries we've gotten that's focused on Drift. And uh, the, th- the first one was pretty much his origin story, and I, I think l- a lot of us on Fanholes are fond of calling that miniseries Planet of the Drifts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was Justin that coined that, didn't he? Yeah, and we, we call it that because most, like, it seems like the people that Drift hangs out with, uh, the Circle of Light, all kind of look like Drift, so a, a very common design theme with all those guys, but... But uh, anyway, uh, Empire of Stone is supposed to take place during modern IDW continuity, and uh, we'll also star Ratchet as like a sort of foil for Drift, like obviously like a callback to their sort of relationship that formed over the course of More Than Meets the Eye and all that. Uh, it's kind of so he's got like Dr. McCoy tagging along with him in this one. So, but uh, I thought you know it might be interesting in celebration. And I guess you can add air quotes around that word if, you know, that's your thing, of uh, the release of Empire of Stone. We should review and analyze uh, Drift's first solo appearance, which is Spotlight Drift. Before I get get into this, though, uh, why don't don't you guys shout out my fellow fan holes. Sound off. Hey, it's Brian Breakdown. It's more like Spotlight Turd. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? This is Derek Kuhn, and I'm all ready to drift with the best of them. Brass tax, Brian, immediately. <laughs> Look, Squeegee, it's our new friend. Drift. What's that name again? I forgot. Anyway, uh, Spotlight Drift is uh, Drift's first uh, like solo outing. Uh, he actually appeared, uh, the first time he appeared was in All Hail Megatron number five. Uh, some essential information for those of you who might not be in the know. Uh, Drift is a Transformers character, an original one uh, created in the IDW comics by one Shane McCarthy, uh, designed by uh, Guido Giddy, and like I said, he first appeared in All Hail Megatron number 5. Uh, Mr. McCarthy has indicated in the past that uh, he created Drift because he had, a, and I'm quoting here, he had a role to fill in All Hail Megatron that no existing character at the time could fill. Now, whether you agree with that reasoning or not is kind of a whole other thing, but in whatever case, uh, Hasbro gave their okay to him and like IDW, they gave their blessing to create this new character. Uh, Guido Giddy came up with a bunch of very lovely designs for him, most of which you could probably find online. And Hasbro, of course, said they were going to eventually make a toy of Drift, which they did. And uh, I think it was, Brian, do you know for sure, is it 2008 Drift's toy came out? Or uh, I, I, don't, actually... I have no clue on the date. 
Okay, well, yeah, it was a couple years, I think, after it he first... It was during Generations, because I remember the box, that's the red Generations box. Yeah, but... yeah, so I, I think it was, like, two years, maybe, after he first appeared, so, yeah, it must have been, like, 2008 or so, but, um, if you've ever seen him or read any comics with Drift in him, he's clearly got a number of, like, Japanese themes inherent in his design and his character makeup, uh, the most obvious of which is that he traditionally turns into, like, a Japanese, like, drift racer. He uses swords. I mean, he's generally, like, an honorable and, like, most recently a very spiritual guy. So, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, Japanese-heavy motifs with him. Initially, reaction to Drift from the fandom, as you might have guessed, was pretty negative. And I think it's safe to say that all of the fan holes were probably part of that negativity. Uh, I, I, can I, speak think, for... I think you popularized Drift for me with your excellent series of toy comics. I don't think <laughs> I don't think Drift ever registered with me one way or the other until I started reading all your toy comics, and then it was you know Drifticoon and all this kind of stuff. Where I was just <laughs> like, I loved all that stuff. I, I must have definitely yes contributed to that. I like, believe, uh, believe even IDW, um, you know, acknowledges that the high point of Drift's entire career has been your comics, Mike. So. <laughs> Good job on those; they're very entertaining. Unlike what we read today. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've just got like Zap Brannigan in my mind, where I'm like, please, you give me too little credit. No, I'm not. I'm not. Thank you very much for the praise, but like, I'm not so arrogant as to think that like my comics like had any kind of effect on the character or any, anything. I, I just kind of, you know, I chose an easy target. There's a lot of things to make fun of with Drift, you know, comparing him to Poochie from The Simpsons, you know, with all the hype that IDW gave him, like, you know, he's the cool new character. Back when he properly, like, b w before he properly debuted in the comic, uh, Chris Royale, uh, the editor-in-chief of IDW, said something like, and this, like, you know, this this is what exactly what got me going, like, uh-oh. Like, he said something to the effect of, All Hail Megatron number 5 is going to be our Hulk number 181. And I was like, if, if you know me at all, the fastest way to get me to groan about something is, like, likening it to everyone's favorite overexposed character, Wolverine, you know. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, no, like, please, no, don't say something like that. But, um, and I, I would also say that, like, IDW's, like, sort of, like, massive amount of hype overdrift before he even actually appeared, probably had a sort of backlash to it, which which probably fueled a lot of people's negative reactions towards him. You know, I'm also, you know, there's also like, you know, the weeaboo jokes and all that, you know, he's just like kind of a fake Japanese guy. And, you know, I, I obviously made a lot of like fun of that and like everyone does. And, you know, I'm also like fond of saying like very shortly after he appeared and I had read like his spotlight in his first couple appearances, I was like fond of saying, Drift. He's just a ripoff of uh, uh, Rurouni Kenshin, basically, because, you know, he's a, he's a Japanese-esque dude. He, he was a former assassin. He's got a special sword. He's sworn off killing, or at least, like, killing nice people. And uh, he's got a cherry attitude un until he starts a fight, pretty much. So I was like, yeah, he's just a ripoff of, like, Kenshin Himura, but... You know, uh, as I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't seen into the mind of Shane McCarthy, so I don't know if any influence came from him. But I, I would just like that's a lot of coincidences there. For the rest of my days, I risk my sword and my mind for the people who survived the bloodletting of my youth. So I guess I should arrive like at my main point here. 
the the point where I decided that Drift was, and I'm going to be pretty blunt here, like Brian was, uh, the point where I decided Drift was a shit character was after I read this issue, which we're going to analyze, uh, Spotlight Drift, which uh, came out just about when All Hail Megatron was wrapping up. Spotlight Drift is written by Shane McCarthy, uh, penciled by quite the reliable artist, uh, Casey Collar, and colored by an equally reliable colorist, uh, Joanna Lafuente. The story takes place briefly before All Hail Megatron starts up in IDW continuity, and, like, I'll just, I guess I might as well run through a brief synopsis of the issue, like, before we get into discussing it. Um, On an alien planet, there's a mysterious cloaked individual. Uh, He's wearing, like, a a sort of skin-tight, like, cloaked costume, and he's talking with this alien chick who has uh, two giant bodyguards. Um, I forgot if the alien race is ever named, but they're the same alien race as uh, Garnak, who shows up in Dark Cybertron and as, as is pals with, like, Hot Rod and Wheelie and that dude. But anyway, uh, she is uh, selling this mysterious cloaked individual uh, some information, which is that there's a Decepticon ship parked on this planet, and it has Autobot prisoners aboard. And uh, our mysterious cloaked hero is going uh, takes a a lot of interest in this information, and the the uh, alien chick touches him, and she notices that he's made of metal, and she's like, "Oh, you're one of them." And our mysterious cloaked hero says, "Yes, well, thank you," and he leaves. So anyway, he goes out, and we see the mysterious cloaked individual is Drift, and he's in his little disguise or whatever, because as the alien chick and uh, her bodyguards kind of indicated, uh, Cybertronians are not very well liked uh, across the galaxy. They're obviously known for being a warlike race, and everyone's pretty, uh, pretty upset with them for probably, like, you know, taking their war wherever they go. But in whatever case... um. Drift discards his cloak. He he finds the Decepticon ship that's docked on this planet, and he uh, infiltrates it. Uh, he jumps in. He does some solid snake action, and he does. I don't. Throughout the issue, they kind of like Casey Collar kind of like renders him as like sort of gliding along the ground, which I guess he's kind of drifting along the ground, whatever. He's like sliding around. So he drifts around a corner, and uh, the wall explodes. And uh, who should arrive but uh, Cup Fury and his Howlin' Wreckers? <laughs> yeah, so Cup and like you know Springer, Roadbuster, Perceptor, and uh, Twin Twist show up. They're uh, there to rescue some comrades that got uh, captured by Turmoil, who is a, Decept- a made-up Decepticon. Basically, uh, he is also he debuts in this issue. Turmoil is a big, scary-looking dude. Some subordinate comes and finds Turmoil and tells him, like, someone blew a hole in our ship. And somehow Turmoil, like, narrows the list of people who blow holes in in ships. And he comes up with, it must be Cup, you know? So anyway, uh, Cup and his crew are carving through a bunch of generic Decepticons. And they notice Drift is around. And Drift's also, like, cutting them up. And, you know, Cup kind of, like, recognizes Drift. And he's like, oh, no, that can't be. Like, that guy has no, like, faction sim- symbol. He has three swords. Like, I know who this guy is, but it can't be. Like, he's a legend. Like, that can't possibly be right. But anyway, uh, it turns out um, 
Drift like is there for the same exact reason Cup and those, uh, the other Autobots are. They, they, he wants to rescue like the Autobots that Turmoil has captured. He wants to quote unquote save lives. And uh, he says, you know, I know the layout of the ship, and if you follow me, I'll show you where they are. So they do, and, you know, and then pretty much a jump cut. Like, they find the, the rest of the wreckers, along with a blaster and blur, and uh, rescue them. Perceptor locks, starts to lock the, the uh, brig, like, from the inside with some, like, computer locks and whatnot to prevent the Decepticons from getting in. And while they're going to, like, blow out, I guess they're going to blow out another hole in the wall to escape. And, you know, Perceptor's all, like, clever and whatnot. And he's like, oh, ha, ha they stopped trying to, like, break all my hacks. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. And, you know, then he gets a huge hole blown in him because Turmoil blows a huge hole in the door and Perceptor. And uh, a firefight ensues. And um, Drift tries to fly in and rescue uh, Perceptor, who's uh, in pretty dire straits. But uh, Turmoil recognizes Drift's voice, and he calls him out as Deadlock. And apparently, uh, Deadlock is Drift's former Decepticon name. Deadlock is dead! (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so apparently Drift was a former Decepticon, like, uh, assassin or just a a very badass warrior serving under Turmoil. And, you know, Turmoil's like, oh, well, I thought you were dead, but, you know, cool, now I get to kill you, you traitor. So Turmoil blows a hole in the wall behind the Autobots, which conveniently leads to some kind of mysterious elevator shaft or something that allows Cup and Drift to fall down it and uh, gives Cup and Drift time to do backstory exposition conveniently. Um, you know, Drift pretty much, uh, or, or actually I should say Cup kind of fills in the backstory for Drift, that he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I know who you are, kid, you're Deadlock, and, you know, Deadlock killed all these people, but now that you're, like, you've changed your name and you say you want to do good now, you know, I guess that's all okay, you know, it's cool. And Cup also, like, kind of points out, like, he recognizes the sword on Drift's back, he recognizes, like, uh, he doesn't give any real specifics, but he's like, you know, there was another faction way back when, you know, that, like, kind of renounced the war, and they disappeared, but I guess you found them, right? And and Drift's like, oh yeah, dude, I'm cool, like, I'm with them, and they gave me the sword, and I'm cool, man. So Drift pretty much says that he he knows a way to sink the whole ship, and if they he Cup can provide an exit, like, and they can all, like, destroy Turmoil's ship and get out. So another jump cut later, and they're in, I guess, either the engine room or, like, somewhere in the ship, and uh, Drift's uh, disabling the engine. Uh, Turmoil busts in. Uh, Drift shoves Cup out the out the out a hole in the wall, um, and Drifting Turmoil kind of have their uh, personal one-on-one fight. And uh, Drift kind of goes on this spiel about you know the Autobots are, are like lost kind of, and they they've lost their way, and the Decepticons are worse than anyone could possibly imagine, and everyone's wrong, and blah blah blah. And he's against. You know, uh, Tur- he kind of pins Turmoil to the wall with his swords, and Turmoil's like, okay, well, whatever, dude, like, kill me. Like, show you haven't changed at all. And Drift's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. <laughs> so then <laughs> Drift, uh, Tokyo drifts back, all the way back to where Perceptor is, I guess because no one picked him up. He was just lying there damaged. 
Uh, he grabs Perceptor, he jumps out of the ship before it explodes, and he gets picked up by Cup and the other Autobots, who apparently also escaped, but we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to see that, because Drift's the focus here. So, anyway, back aboard the Autobot ship, um, Cup and Cup kind of offers Drift a spot on a new, like, uh, unit he's forming, and Springer's kind of, like, you know, apprehensive of this, but... Uh, Cup says, you know, everyone deserves a second chance, you know, and this guy's kind of cool, and, you know, that's pretty much it. Uh, Drift uh, becomes an Autobot from that point on, and uh, everyone lives happily ever after. And uh, that's pretty much Spotlight Drift. So I, I, I'm going to ask you for your guys' opinions first, because I've got a lot bad to say about this issue. But, like, Brian, when was the first time you read this issue? Before I, I answer, Mike, I must say I bow down to your storytelling ability because you took what took me like three minutes to read and like stretched <laughs> it out into like, you know, almost a good sounding comic when it really wasn't. <laughs> but um, anyways, I, w- I don't know when I first read it, but I know I have. And um, I don't think the Generations toys had the comics packaged back then. So I think I must have just got gotten like a spotlight collection or maybe in some of the All Hail Megatrons, they had a spotlight issue or two in the yeah, back I, or something. I, I think these, this spotlight and then, like, Jazz's uh, Blurs and Metroplexes are in, like, a like All Hail Megatron spotlight, like, trade collection or something like that. Yeah, I think that's right. That rings a bell. And if I remember, I was almost mad because, like, I liked most of All Hail Megatron, and then, like, one one of the volumes was, like, taken up with most of the spotlights, which kind of weren't as good, but... Whatever, so yeah, I must have read it like a few years ago, and then like I, I I thought when you recommended this one, I was thinking you're recommending a good drift book, and I was like, oh cool, I'll read <laughs> something nice, and then I started reading it, like as soon as I saw the first page, and I was like, oh, I love this one again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what about you, Derek? Have, had, well, have you the, ever the, read this issue before? Yeah, or? yeah, I've I've read All Hail Megatron, and then you know, thanks to the spotlight tie-ins, it's always you know, kind of like when we were talking about the turtle comics. It's always you get that vibe like to find out more, read this, you know, and you're like, all right, fuck you, I'll read this to find out more. <laughs> but like I was gonna say, even in that first page, like, does it ever bother anybody else that like? There's this gigantic alien chick with big boobs that's, like, the same size as a Transformer. Like, I don't know why. I keep thinking of it in terms of, like, well, a human being would be, like, really small. And, like, I don't know why that always just, like, bugs the shit out of me for whatever reason. Like, I don't mind the guys like Garnack where it's like, oh, there's some kind of weird giant ogre alien guy that's, you know, a little bigger than Wheelie. But... For some reason, when it's just, like, a chick, and it's almost like, she's like, wait a minute, I'm going to, like, use my feminine wiles on you. And then it's like, wait, you're cold. You're one of those Cybertronians. I can't get all hot and bothered (laughs) over you. But it's like, but I will, because you're drift, you know? And it's just kind of like, I'm just kind of like, oh, man. Like, I I don't know. Like, I, I found it interesting because what I had never read before was the interview uh, with, with, you know, that I guess James Roberts conducted with all the creators and the, you know, reactions to how Drift has evolved as a character, whether he's been in, you know, All Hell Megatron or, you know, what he's gone on to be in More Than Meets the Eye. And then, of course, I guess the biggest deal is that he's a character in Age of Extinction, which gives him, I guess, massive exposure to the general populace for once. And, you know, basically dealing with all their reactions to it. But the thing I found interesting was 
Guido Giddy mentioned that his character design started out as like a badass version of Blur or something. Like he was going to upgrade Blur or something like that. And it, this is only fascinating to me from an in-joke perspective, but I have all these trailer mashups and it's come from this kind of in-joke about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is basically, I was always of the opinion, like I never liked the movie, the two towers. And part of the reason why was I thought Legolas was like, super too badass in that movie for like no reason. Like basically anything would happen and Legolas would like slide down or drift down, if you will, you know, like an elephant tail and like shoot like 5 billion arrows, even though he only has like five of them in his quiver and like take out the whole, you know, I don't know, a whole bunch of orcs or whatever he would do. And on top of that, the, the main impetus for me making the connection between Transformers and Lord of the Rings is basically, to me, Aragorn was always like, he's the king, right? And he starts out as a kind of a ranger, a cool dude, you know, so I was always like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of like, but but he's destined to be the king. And I was always kind of like, well, he's kind of the chosen one, you know, so me liking those characters, I like him as a character. I like when he lops off guys' heads and return to the king and does all this kind of cool stuff. But in the two towers, there's a sequence where they fall off the cliff or whatever, and they think Aragorn is lost. And and it's just kind of like, oh, well, he's lost. Let's keep going. You know, we got to get the ring to Mordor or whatever the big deal is. And, and they just kind of turn around and walk away. And my joke always was, well, if this was fucking Transformers, you know, and, and Hot Rod had fallen off the cliff, you know, I, I'd be like, I made this joke that Grimlock would be like, um, me Grimlock have questions, you know, me Grimlock <laughs> want to know why we not look over cliff, him am chosen one after all, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and by that discerning when I made the trailer mashup, you know, getting sort of back to the point of drift is that uh, I, I made all these parallels and and what I ended up making Legolas was blur because I just I was like, I don't think Legolas is that cool. So my own bias is like coming through to the trailer mashup where I made Legolas blur and not some really cool transformer. But having read that interview, like I think had drift been animated and had drift been anywhere near the time I made that mashup, I probably would have made more parallels between Drift and Legolas because it's this guy who's completely awesome for no apparent reason. And you just, you get the vibe like, why is this little girly dude awesome? Like, why can he take out all these guys? But he is, you know, and it's like, why? Cause, you know, and, and that's how I kind of feel about Drift. Like he should be played boy, played by like Orlando Bloom, not, whoever the Japanese guy was that did his voice in the, uh, the age oh, of Ken, extinction. Ken, Ken Watanabe did his right, voice. Right, right, right. We must be quick. We have the element of surprise. Let's try to use violence as a last resort. Is not alive anymore. Yeah, but it's like, I, I that, that's kind of my, my take on it. I mean, as far as the spotlight goes, like, it just seems like it's, it's one of those things that I think the reason why there was such uh, virtual, which is what they say in the interview, as far as reaction to it, and, and they try to blow it off by saying it's, you know, some limited 
number of fans and not the whole doesn't reflect the whole fan base and this and that and the other thing and he's plenty popular and that's why they went on to do the limited series and this second limited series and that's why he's in the movie so i mean you know maybe they have some point maybe you know there's a bunch of people out there who think drift is awesome i i don't know that drift is not awesome but it's like a forced kind of awesome. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like what you're talking about with Poochie. It's like he's the new character. He's in your face. And it's like being told that someone is in your face instead of just someone organically being in your face. I, I think that's where that negative reaction comes from, because it's not so much as earned. You know, you're being told he's awesome and not shown he's awesome. There's a reason why there are so many jump cuts in this spotlight. Because you're being told all these things, you know, and it's like, and even when he is quote unquote awesome, it just doesn't feel earned. It's like, oh, he makes the ladies all hot and bothered, but he's a robot. You know, it's like, oh, he's awesome and he can take out anybody in the room and he can even push aside like longstanding, you know, Autobots like Cup who are badass wreckers and say, Go away! I've got this! You know what I mean? And it's just like, and it's like, okay, I guess that's cool, but I don't know that he necessarily earned, earned that, you know, in terms of a story. It's, it seems like it's sort of foisted upon everyone. Along that track, like, one of the things I really hate about this issue is, like, the typical, the super typical, like, self-insertion, like, fanfic character thing where, like, an established character, in this case, Cup, like, kind of validates him, like, where he's like, oh, yeah, like, this new guy is awesome, and you know he's (laughs) awesome because I'm Cup, and I'm telling you he's awesome. Matlock, you know, like, you know, it's just like... (laughs) You know, it's just like, you know, there was this legend of a guy named Drift that we used to tell around the fireplace. And, you know, Springer's kind of like almost like the voice of reason. Yeah, he's like, he's like, maybe this isn't like, such a good idea. <laughs> like, you know, wait, he was like, wait a minute. Like, or, or like, if, like you were saying, if Grimlock was there, like, uh, me Grimlock have question. Like, yeah. you know, how, how you cup know he awesome if he not even born yet, you know, like back then. <laughs> but, yeah, so. There's that, and also I I hate, hate, hate that, like, virtually every other Autobot in this story is, like, solely there to service and justify, like, validating Drift's existence, like, at the expense of their own, like, characterization, the expense of their own common sense, even, like, Perceptor. Like, people, like, act dumb, like, who wouldn't ordinarily act dumb, like, Perceptor, like, you know, oh, like, there, there's no way they can get through this door, like, even though that guy has a giant cannon and stuff, like, you know, like, I, I've got to be the damsel in distress so Drift can rescue someone, you know, or, or even, like, like, I could extend that even to the Wreckers, like, who ha- got c- captured off screen, apparently, like, most of them, at least, and, like, who Drift has to, like, you know, rescue, basically. Even at at the end, like, you know, it's like, wait, so they left Perceptor there and, like, you know, Cup told them to, like, go away and, like, Drift has to rescue Perceptor? Like, what the, what the frig? But, uh, well, those that, are... that, well, like you're saying, that's another thing that validates his, his existence. It, it basically gives him an in, like, not only, not only does Cup vouch for him, and, and I, I, not to go too much into a tangent, but I, I feel like, the reason, part of the reason why Cup vouches for him is because of the whole Planet of the Drift stuff. Like, it's like somehow he recalls, 
you know, the city of light and all that other stuff and, and is basically saying, Oh, look at that sword. He's got, look at the design of his rebuilt body like that somehow, you know, I, I guess it would be equivalent to, you know, bringing it back to the Japanese thing, you know, going for that Hattori Hanzo thing. It's like, Oh, you have a Hattori Hanzo blade. Like someone made that for you. You must be a good and honorable person. If you have earned the Hattori Hanzo blade and basically like drift has like the Hattori Hanzo blade of the Autobots, thus cups like all impressed. But then if you actually like sort of, I, it's been a while since I've read planet of the drifts, but they all seem like a bunch of fucking assholes to me too. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like, from what I remember. So I'm like, well, maybe that's not, so, you know, it'd be like if Hattori Hanzo was like, you know, a fucking political exile who just ran away from a fight. And I don't know. Anyway, it, it's just, it, it's kind of neither here nor there, but I, I don't know that I can, I, I can sell it as a devil's advocate, but I don't really, I don't believe in in that angle, you know, as as a reasonable explanation of why he's so accepted. But him saving Perceptor, I mean, if you save someone's life, then they're indebted to you, I guess. But going back to what you're saying, the the people who get saved like act like dumbasses for no no other reason than what you're saying is to to sort of validate Drift's existence in the current continuity. Do you Definitely. think if all this oh. badassery hadn't like either taken place or been talked about in one issue, it may have been better received at all? Yeah, I mean, if they didn't like I think that that what really like prepped everyone up to hate Drift from the outset was all their hype about him. Like, you know, and he looks cool and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. Yeah, if they kind of, I don't know, if they hadn't hyped him up, I still would have thought this was a pretty bad issue. But, like, the hype certainly had me going into it, like, expecting not to like it, basically. Well, see, even, even the comparison to Wolverine, like, I mean, as much as, as, as we rag on Wolverine now and again, or maybe Batman's overpopularity or things like that, it's not like the character wasn't around for a long time and didn't have earned moments of badassery it wasn't like it wasn't like in the first issue where he met the hulk it's like his name's wolverine he's wolverine he stabbed the hulk <laughs> he stabbed the hulk he's super badass and he just shit all over apocalypse's face he's wolverine you know it's like but with drift it, it is kind of like that you know so it's like i i don't know like i i think to answer brian's question like if it had been done in such a way where it was a little more earned and not not so in your face, then then I think some of that vitriol w- w- would have been unnecessary, you know, like because you you wouldn't you wouldn't feel like it's being sort of shoved down your throat, you know. Well, well speaking of that, like what you mentioned about the circle of light, like I also really hate Drift's whole like spiel about like you know oh the Autobots have like become something awful, and I I when I re- first read that I kind of took it as some kind of veiled like jabs at Simon Furman's run by Shane McCarthy basically, where Simon Furman was kind of like trying to play it a little more realistically, where like it was like, you know, a cold war basically. And, you know, there were, there were things like, you know, when like an infiltration where like they use the kids to like infiltrate that bunker and like Bumblebee says to Ratchet, you know, like we got to find out what's in that bunker. And if those kids like don't make it, well, too bad, you know, they're acceptable losses basically. So like that, that was 
kind of like, I guess, a more like kind of realistic bent. But then uh, it comes up a lot in Shane McCarthy's writing where like, you know, it, it, if it's either Drift saying it or, you know, someone else saying it, like, you know, we've got to be better. Like, we've got to be like heroes. Like, we can't do like there's no acceptable losses. You know, we got to like save everyone. We got to like, you know, we got to be better than that and whatever. And like, I don't know, like. It's kind of, and it's also like sort of like that like hypocritical thing where you know drifts like you know kind of like violence is wrong, but that won't stop me from like pinning you to the wall and leaving you in this exploding spaceship or whatever. You know, I don't know. I, I always kind of find that hypocritical and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, I also dislike how drift is treated as like special by cop and everyone for for like it seems like it it's they almost treat it like it's been it's unheard of that like someone switched sides or whatever mm. like you know it's like that guy has no faction symbol like it can't be like how how could he like switch sides or like how could he join or or, or even like that the fact that there's a third faction and especially like in retrospect now like after like more than meets the eye and robots in disguise have been out for like years now where, you know, like, James Roberts has seeded all these different groups, like, way back before the war, where, you know, it's, like, all these, like, different political groups and these religious groups and these, like, groups like, uh, what's it called, a uh, Triple M, like, the militant monoform movement, like, who don't believe in alt modes and whatnot, and, like, it's, like, he kind of really built up Cybertronian society. So, in retrospect, it seems, like, ridiculous that these characters are, like, you know, do you mean there's another, like, faction of people beyond Autobots and Decepticons? Or, you know, or even, like, there's, there's a guy who switched from being an Autobot to a Decepticon? Because now, it, like, in retrospect, it, it, it seemed ridiculous back then, but in retrospect, it seems, like, even more ridiculous that they're all, like, you know, so aghast at this or whatever. I agree. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree about Drift, like, just being that that type of guy well even even stepping like outside of the universe like you know shane mccarthy said like oh there wasn't any other character i could have used that like fit this role but like i mean you could not only are there characters in the transformers universe like if you step outside like the immediate like 1984 to 1986 box and look around there are characters like that he could have used you know, obviously, a lot of people at the time, people said, like, oh, what about, what's his face, uh, Carnivac, like, the wolf pretender guy who had, like, basically this exact same story back in the Marvel UK days where he was a Decepticon. You know, he decided, like, oh, the Autobots aren't so bad, and he switched to becoming an Autobot. But, you know, I guess that's, like, you know, it, it seemed like Shane McCarthy wanted to make a, his own mark on, like, the franchise and make his own character more than wanting to use anyone who really existed. So, like, I, I think that remark, though, by him that there wasn't any existing characters he could have used is a little disingenuous, but... I guess I guess within his limited worldview, he what he thinks he's saying is true. You know, but yeah, I'm sure maybe, yeah, like he didn't, you know, like I know, I absolutely know there are people who are like, there is no characters like after the movie, like, you know, after like that 1986 run, like none of those characters are any good or whatever. But it's not like even in the, that, like those first two years, you couldn't find someone 
Like, even, like, you could, like, friggin' reinvent Mirage to be some kind of, like, you know, side-switching, like, sort of cool guy or whatever if you wanted. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah. that was the whole thing with IDW to begin with, where, like, Furman would take someone, like, who was established before and kind of make them a little different, like, in spotlights or, you know, kind of make them their own thing for IDW. But I think, yeah, like, he just said that just to, you know just add a little more justification where it wasn't necessary basically do you do you feel like reading more than meets the eye has that warmed you up to the idea of drift as a character or were you happy once he left the lost life no i i like drift now like i think james roberts kind of it's it's funny cuz like you mentioned like that interview and like we're talking about I guess I should have mentioned this before but just recently uh IDW released like a director's cut of Spotlight Drift and they included a bunch of interviews with like Shane McCarthy and James Roberts and you know anyone who like was instrumental in creating the character or writing him for an extended amount of time and I I mean I got the feeling after reading James Roberts like thoughts on Drift that he was he was very politely saying like, there wasn't much of a character here to begin with, so this is why I went in the direction I did with yeah, him. Yeah. And, like, I, he kind of made him, like, a kind of religious-type guy, and, like, that kind of, for me, that kind of made more sense to me. Like, it made his, like, idealism, like, make, like, a lot more sense, and, like, like this guy who was a killer and an, an assassin and, you know, a, a soldier, basically, that it's, he suddenly kind of you know, either found God or he found something to believe in, and that's why he... It's know. it's interesting how that kind of explodes Shane McCarthy's mind, though, in the interview, because you can already read in the coming miniseries, like, it sounds like, I think it was him that talked about this, where he's like, oh, well, well it, it's like, I've stepped away from the character for a little while, and now it's like, you know, I wrote him as liking cheeseburgers, but now he likes ham sandwiches, huh, go figure. And like, and like there was like some line of dialogue about... You know, now he believes in everything. You know, like, he, he just, whatever he can grab a hold of to believe in, he believes in it. Like, whether it's the Autobot cause or religion or whatever. But I I, I feel like that's missing the fucking point of, of what was done with the character. But, you know, oh well. <laughs> I mean, I, I am perfectly willing to give Empire of Stone a chance, because... I did like Shane McCarthy's writing on certain things in All Hail Megatron, if not the whole package, and I think he had, like, potential, but, like, I I don't know, like, as for Planet of the Drifts, like, I don't think that that mini is bad, it's just kind of predictable, like, basically, it's like, I think someone said, and I forgot who it was, like, on the IDW forums or something, but they're kind of like, you know, uh, the Drift miniseries is basically everything you could have possibly guessed about Drift's backstory, just like told as a story. Basically, like there were no surprises. Basically, it was it was exactly how like you know Drift or Cup kind of like spelled it out, where you know it was like I'm bad, then I met these guys, and now I'm good. The end. You know, it, it was very like predictable and by the numbers. I also, uh, to say some nice things, like, I, I like the art in this issue, at least. I mean, uh, Casey Collar's a reliable artist. Um, I don't think he'd ever be kind of my one of my favorite artists, because I think a lot of people, like, like Guido, Giddy, and, like, other people kind of do, like, what he does, and they do it, like, basically maybe a little better than he does it, but he is, like, solid and reliable, at least. Yeah, nothing yeah, too flashy, just, you know, kind of... I'd say maybe a little bit plain for my taste, but 
you know, definitely not like a bad artist. Yeah, I, I enjoy it for the most part. I mean, other than, you know, I'm like, how does Drift fit so snugly in those cloaked clothes? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the minute the, the cloak comes off, you're like, damn, those are some thick legs, bro. You know, it's like, because I drifted into those <laughs> into those clothes, dude. I drifted because I'm Drift. You know, like, I feel like that's what I need to say every time he does something cool, because it's just like, Cause I'm Drift. <laughs> I'm Drift. You know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the art is definitely, I mean, it, it's good. I, I, you know, that, that, I don't think I had any problem, but I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not very um, strict or picky or, or anything like that when it, you know, it's like I, I pretty much could follow what was going on and, and, and I thought all the characters looked pretty cool and like they were supposed to and everything. So, I mean, I, w- I was happy with it, you know, yeah, even, um, What's the Decepticon guy's name? Turmoil. I mean, he, Turmoil. he, he yeah. looked, you know, appropriately menacing and everything, you know, for kind of like an Erzatz Decepticon, you know, leader that they just they needed to fill in a, a sort of blank slot or whatever. So he is kind of like generic, I guess. Like he's just a generic big evil. Like I'm big and I'm dark and I have a gun arm. Like how many Decepticons can you name that fit that description? Yeah, basically? yeah. I mean, they just they needed so he was a placeholder. I mean, they they couldn't have anybody you know, really do any serious damage to Megatron. So it's like, oh, we got to have a, you know, sort of like a, the McDonald's Express version of Megatron. And, and you know, that's kind of like turmoil where it's like, oh, he's a big, bad Decepticon that everybody's afraid of. And he used to be, you know, uh, basically Drift's commander when he was uh, deadlock, you know, and everything. So, I mean, that, you know, that when works. He was, when he was Batosai, the mech slayer. He was, you know. he, uh, I can't do it with the other, it's like, he's Drift. You can't be like, he's Deadlock. Yeah. <laughs> he's Deadlock. Deadlock. I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know whether to blame this on, like, the script or the art, but, like, another part that, like, annoys me, and I mentioned it about this issue, is, is the conveniently placed, like, elevator shaft that's, like, ready-made for, like, Let's take a breath and have some backstory exposition. Like, I don't know, like, Turmoil just blows a hole in that wall, and conveniently, only Drift and Cup, like, fall down that shaft, and then no one follows them. Like, I don't know. That I, I'm not sure whether, like, maybe it was clearer in the script as to what happened, but, like, I don't know. The art just made it seem like, oh, they fell through a wall... And then, like, you know, everything else that happened was inconsequential because, you know, Drift has to give his backstory to Cup, you know? Well, maybe that's just another case of events serving Drift instead of the story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, granted, I mean, it's Spotlight Drift, so, like, obviously, yeah, by yeah. its very nature, like, the story has to serve Drift, but it's just, I don't know, I don't like it serving Drift at the expense of everyone else in the friggin' issue, basically. Or logic, or physics. You know? Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be like, I'm drift. It's like it's night outside, and you shouldn't be able to see that well. But I can because I've got a headlight. Because I'm drift. You know, and it's like okay. You know, I guess that that works. You know, but sometimes that doesn't always. You know, it's like doesn't always work out that way. Well, I guess, like I said, I mean, I think I like how Drift turned out under James Roberts. Like, I mean, he's not going to be my favorite, ca- one of my favorite characters, but at least, like, I get him now, basically. Like, I, I feel like uh, 
he is someone I can wrap my head around and I don't have to like be annoyed with like his very presence more or less. <laughs> He's definitely less of a turd biscuit. I, I think him being <laughs> him being a Rodimus fanboy, I give him the okay with me. I don't know that Cup going like you got that Hori to Hatori uh, Hanzo blade, kid. You're okay by me. Like I don't think I don't think Cup get, getting his seal of approval worked. But I think the the Rodimus fanboy thing. It wasn't like Rodimus was like Drift's okay with me, Magnus. Like that isn't what did it. It's the fact that like Drift likes Rodimus and I like Rodimus. So I'm like, well, Drift can't be all bad. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and it, to me, that's a little more earned than basically going like. Drifts in your face, and he's totally real, and he likes Rodimus Prime. Yeah, you know it wasn't like heaped on you. It was just it was a natural progression of the story, and you know, kind of relating to his character, and that he wanted to find the Knights of Cybertron, and you know, Rodimus was spearheading this thing, so of course he's going to support him in his quest. You know, and then along those lines, just because you know I'm a Hot Rod Rodimus fanboy, it's like I, you know, you feel a little more. On, on, you're like, well, I'm, I, I can go along with that drift. Like that makes sense to me, as opposed to like some of the other stuff. It seems a little more. He's he's basically the the ham-fisted character that you know got to have a, a run in more than meets the eye, where he wasn't so ham-fisted. It wasn't like he was the focus of everything, and and he could make mistakes and be fallible and and you know you know trip on a banana peel or a cyber banana peel or whatever you want to call it if if that came up in that story if it if it was logical and it and it served the needs of the overall story whereas i think in in even in all hell megatron he wasn't the focus but i don't think he ever had a moment where it was like whoops i messed up you know what i mean it's like yeah they talk yeah. about how he messed up in the past and all that other stuff but it's like in in those current you know appearances before more than meets the eye it was always you know i messed up in the past but now i can do no wrong because i am on the path of the righteous man or bot or whatever <laughs> you know and you're just like okay whatever yeah you know. Well, I, I do like James Roberts seems to have stripped away that, like, stupid, like, idealism, like, away from him, because, like, in More Than Meets the Eye, he's, like, murdering, like, you know, when him and Ratchet and Pipes visit, like, that clinic or whatever, you know, there's, like, all sick people around, and, the, like, the sick guy sneaks up on Pipes and Drip just dismantles him pretty much, and, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, I guess, you know, you're not against like killing weird looking people or whatever, you know, or like sick people like, and you know, as you might know by now, well, obviously I guess this isn't a spoiler, but like he was, he was in, he was kind of in bed with Rodimus for that whole like overlord thing. Mm -hmm. So clearly, you know, if he was really like the kind of highfalutin like moral guy, he should have been like, you know, he was objected to it, but he didn't like be like, I'm going to tell, everyone like that you know you guys are going to do this immoral shit or whatever but i I feel like i I feel like if that ratchet uh pipes moment that you told us about was in spotlight drift it's like he would stab them but then a few minutes later ratchet would be like so you just aimlessly kill people and he's like no the cure to the disease was on my blade and i pierced the one point in his organs that would totally cure him. And then the guy gets up and is all better. And it's like, drift, you know, like that, that's, that's the kind of forcedness I, I feel like that was before. And it's, it's not there now. I'm still willing to believe in that idealistic nonsense, just as you once were. 
Police. So yeah, I mean, do, do either of you have any kind of final thoughts? Because I pretty much like spewed out everything I wanted to say about like drift and you know what 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 where he's been and where he's going and all if you that. if you haven't read Mike's drift toy comics and you should totally totally read them they're hilarious mhm agreed and thank you i appreciate the uh the, the uh, plug i think uh, i i forgot to mention it like i think when the first drift mini series uh, was coming out like we were all throwing out like on on the board we were throwing out subtitles for it and i think tony had the best one where it was like uh drift to tokyo me <laughs> yeah, so like we'll probably release this around the time that Empire of Stone is going to be released. Uh I'll I'll give it a chance. I don't know if you guys will want to read it, but you know, I I I'll give like any Transformers thing a chance pretty much, but Yeah, maybe we could uh, do a follow-up and, and tell people what we think of the the new Drift miniseries as well. So yeah, that's pretty much it. That's our our retrospective review on Spotlight Drift. Drift. Uh, Drift. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Like, I know Drift has a lot of fanboys and fangirls. Drift. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so like, if if you ha- disagree with you know stuff we said, if you want to defend Drift, and I know many of you want to defend Drift, uh, you know, send us an email. Uh, we feed on your anger. You know, we feed on your hate because we spew out a want, lot. Of I hate. just want fangirl emails. That's that's all Please. I care about. If, if, I know, if, Drift, if Drift brings us some fangirl emails, then I then he'll totally be redeemed for me. I'll, I'll do a whole new podcast where we totally praise Spotlight Drift. <laughs> that's right because we're just that good yeah but uh anyway uh yeah so uh you know this is a uh, transformers tuesdays uh derek why don't you're much better at uh, you, you can email I, us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com besides transformers tuesdays you can listen to tons of our other spin-off shows we've got sentai saturdays Toku Thursdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, and please listen to the Fan Holes podcast proper. We always appreciate all the likes on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, we are on Stitcher Radio, so you can listen to us on there. And, yeah, take it away, Mike. And so this is Mike signing off. This is Brian Breakdown. This is Derek Drift-Kun. Drift-Kun. Now anytime I see someone doing something cool, I'm going to be like, Drift, Drift, Drift.
You haven't tried to transform Skybite yet just because he looks really cool in his robot mode. So. <laughs> the only thing I don't like, and usually I leave it out, is like his little missile looks a little spermy. <laughs> Especially if you hit the target. <laughs> drift never misses his target. Drift. Teen pregnant drift. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I may. I may. Go to the restroom. Drift. <laughs> just don't, just don't drift when you're peeing. <laughs> 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 We're not gonna stop doing that. <laughs>